0: Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark, and there's Charles W. Chuck Bryant, and there's Jerry over there. So this is Stuff You Should Know. About colorblindness. That's right. Which I didn't know a lot about. I guess I didn't either. It's one of those things you just kind of assume you do, but there's a lot more to it than you realize right
0: yeah I kind of wondered about myself though because Emily is always telling me that I'm getting colors wrong mm-hmm. so i took a I took an online test
1: I did too how'd you fare uh, normal color did you i i I took one of those um oh what's it called the scope one anomalous scope yeah I took one of those online and it, it said I had just very weak um, color blindness, which I wasn't very surprised by because dark colors are kind of hard for me to differentiate sometimes.
0: They they said that you don't see black or white, you're like Michael Jackson. <laughs> right.
1: That's right, man. I've always said that, but yeah. no one ever listened until now. Until I proved it on the on the internet.
0: Yeah. Thank
1: God for the internet. So um you want to talk a little history? Because, believe it or not, there is colorblindness history. And I should say also, Chuck, I looked up the more politically correct term for colorblindness, and there really isn't one. Oh, yeah? mm mm-hmm.
0: Well, that's great.
1: Yeah. So, well, you can feel free to use colorblind. W- good. In good conscience, okay? Fantastic. So, um, back in 1794, John Dalton, who uh, came up with atomic theory— he was a pretty important um early scientist. He presented his first scientific paper and it was on color blindness. Did you know that? No. I never heard of the guy. <laughs> yeah, so um he his first the it was from what anybody can can tell the first scientific paper on color blindness and he wrote it about himself. He and his brother were both color blind. And he posited that he had some sort of blue fluid in his eye that was affecting his color vision. And he willed that when he died, his eye be dissected. And when they did, um, they found that, no, it was pretty normal. There was no blue fluid in there. And later on, they preserved his eye tissue. And in 1995, he was diagnosed with something called um, deuteranopia. So he was a deuteran in the parlance of people who are colorblind. Yeah. Meaning that he lacked um, functioning green cones or medium wave cones in his eye. Interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. So, he was the first dude, huh?
1: He was the first one to write a scientific paper on it, at least. Yeah. Well, good for him. Yeah. And bad for him. Well, yeah. I think so, too. I don't want to, like, overstate how bad I feel for people who have colorblindness, because I know they're, like, living life and enjoying it and everything. But sure. I would not want to be colorblind if I had my druthers, you know? No. And I'm sure most people who are colorblind would feel the same way.
0: Uh, You know, John Fuller used to work with us. I believe he has some sort of uh, colorblindness or maybe calling it color vision deficiency. I saw that. Is a better term because colorblind, a lot of people that don't know anything about it, might think, well, if you're color then you see in black and white,
1: which is a form of color blindness. But that's the most extreme form. There's definitely a gradient, appropriately enough, between full color vision, which is called trichromacy, and complete color blindness. Yeah. So uh, let's get into the vision a little bit. Okay. Um, have we done one on the eye? Dude, I, I was like, a lot of this sounds kind of familiar, and I looked high and low and could not find anything on vision, on seeing, on the eye, nothing. Huh. So I don't know if we did, like, maybe a video on this once or something. but Maybe. But it, some of it seemed familiar, but I couldn't find an episode on it.
0: All right, so we have a retina in our uh, eye, like everyone knows. The The retina senses light, deals with color and vision, Uh and there are rods and cones. These are they're called rods and cones because of their shape. They look like cones or rods. Mm-hmm. So rods help you see in low light, and the cones are what uh, where the detail and the color come from. So the cone malfunctioning or not being there at all. If you don't have three cones, and you, you you have to have at least two to see in any color. Mm-hmm. But if one of those cones of the three, if you do have three, is malfunctioning, right. then you will fall somewhere on the scale. Of color vision deficiency,
1: right, right. So the, there's like um, something called so, like I said, if you have normal color vision, you have trichromacy. If you have anomalous trichromacy, it means that one of those cones is not functioning properly, although <clears throat> they all still work. They it's just out of alignment a little bit. Yeah, and the the way that it can get out of alignment is is those cones. Each of them has um, a, a a chromophore, I think is what it's called, which is like a, a little molecule that is attuned to a certain type of um, a certain wavelength of the visible spectrum. And those wavelengths that it picks up kind of overlap depending on the cone. Like red and green cones, what they, what they pick up on the visible spectrum overlap big time. Green and blue kind of overlap, and then red and blue overlap the least. But if the if the alignment of the wavelength to the visible spectrum within that cone is just a little bit off, you're not going to see colors like other people see colors. But you're still going to see something, right? And that's called anomalous trichromacy.
0: Yeah, and there are uh, well, I mean, there are so many different subcategories. I guess we should go through some of these for sure. Um, if you have that anomalous uh, trichromacy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some of the stuff is so hard. You do have your cones. So that means you have three cones, but one of those cones is defective. So if you have the de- <laughs> Deuteronomy
1: <laughs> <laughs> This can be a fun episode.
0: No, wait, that's a Bible book. Right. What is it? Deuteronomy? That's right. It just sounds weird.
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: I'm, I'm really bad with amelies.
1: I think he just nailed it, man.
0: Yeah, but it was it was clumsy, but that's fine.
1: Deuter anomaly. Yeah, deuter anomaly. It's, it's a really an tough anom- word. It's an anomaly of your deuters. That's right. So, that deuter anomaly you're just talking about? Uh-huh. That's if your green cones are out of alignment. All right. Then there's proto anomaly or protanomaly. And that's your red cones being out of alignment. And then trite anomaly is blue. All
0: right. So if you're missing a cone altogether, that's for malfunctioning. You have three, but one of them doesn't work quite right. Mm-hmm. If you're missing one altogether, you have dichromatic vision. Uh, and then we said, of course, the worst is monochromacy. That's, that's, if, that's basically seeing in black and white and sort of shades of gray. Right. But if you are a dichromat or a person with dichromatic vision, maybe that's the PC distinction. It's to not call someone a dichromat.
1: <laughs> Maybe. You think? Maybe. I, I saw, um, depending on your your condition, there are like abbreviated terms for it. But I saw people being referred to as dichromats all the time, but it really flies in the face of that whole thing of describing people by their condition rather than like a person with dichromacy, you know what I mean?
0: Gotcha. Yeah. Well, within the dichromat, though, there are the, the three different subtypes, which are the deuter, the proto, and the trita. Mhm that's the easiest way to say it. Right. So that's what those fall under.
1: Yeah. And so the big difference between um uh, anomalous trichromacy and dichromacy, dichromacy says it all. There's, it means you have two functioning cones. And because of all that overlap chuck with all of the the wavelengths that the different pigments in your cones catch, it, it th- that's a huge palette of colors that are produced in the human brain when we look around. But if you remove one of those cones, there's an enormous reduction in colors. Supposedly, each cone multiplies the number of colors by 100. So if you start out with just one cone, let's say you can see 100 shades, just by adding a second cone you can now see 10,000 different colors. And by adding a third cone, you can now see a million different colors, right? So if you remove one of those cones, you're suddenly down to 10,000 colors. That's a significant difference. And that's the thing about dichromacy is it's not that your your cones are misaligned. One of your cones just is not producing at all. And so you're lacking a whole range of colors that, that other people with all three functioning cones can see.
0: Right. And like I said earlier with monochromacy, that's when you see basically in black and white and gray. And there are two types there, uh, rod monochromacy and cone type. Mm -hmm. And if you have uh, the rod type, you also have very poor vision and you're very sensitive to light. Uh, And you might also have something called uh, nystagmus, which that is when you have, they call it dancing eyes. That's when um, there's a horizontal version, which means you're your eye basically darts back and forth to the left and to the right constantly.
1: Like Pruitt Taylor Vince, does he have that? mm Hmm. I've never he, noticed. You'd recognize him, and and like uh, he's just well known for. He's the actor with.
0: Oh, I know him. I just never noticed his eye. Oh, twitching. really? Yeah.
1: Yeah. He like you can tell a director's like, all right, let's really get that going for this scene, okay?
0: Oh, wow. So, when you think about the color wheel, red, orange, yellow, blue indigo, green, violet. I said them out of order. I don't know what that would spell. It doesn't spell Roy G. Biv though. <laughs> but uh, if you're colorblind, like, everyone wants to know, like, what does it look like if you're colorblind? Um, and, and it's a little hard to describe because it's very subjective when you think about how each person sees color because I imagine everyone sees things a little bit differently. But if you're colorblind, that palette is just not as varied. It's more muted.
1: Uh, yeah, for sure. Because again, those different cones are interacting; they're overlapping to produce a huge palette of colors. It's not like we just see everything in red, green, and blue. There's those those things mixed together and interact to produce colors beyond those three. So, yeah, if you're missing one, you're you're missing a lot more than just green or just red or just blue.
0: Yeah, and things you know, it doesn't mean it's altogether gone either, because it's on a spectrum, and it depends what kind you have, like. It could be reddish, but very muted, or green could look a more green gray. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just not that sort of robust standard color wheel that that you're used to seeing with uh, what what I guess you would consider normal color vision.
1: For sure, and <clears throat> like if you have one of the opias, if you have like protonopia, which is um, your red cones don't function at all, uh, the reds are brownish, the purples are bluish, your yellows totally normal. Um, but the green is also kind of like a, a weird kind of khaki brown itself, and that um, that really overlaps with um, deuteranopia too. The big difference between those is that your um, your red, what would look like a, a dark dark brown to a protanope, uh, for a deuteranope, it would look kind of like a kind of a drab brownish olive. Which is not what you want to see when you look at, like, a a bright red apple.
0: Olive? Look at that huge
1: olive. (laughs) Right. It looks delicious. And then you take a bite and you're like, that's no olive. So uh, let's take a break,
0: have some olives, Mm -hmm. and we'll talk about uh, animals and and testing for colorblindness right after this. All right, so I think a lot of people have always uh, heard growing up on the playground that animals see in black and white, uh, especially dogs and cats see in black and white. Mm-hmm. Some animals see in color, some see in black and white. It kind of depends. Um, dogs and cats, they they actually do see color. They just don't see the whole Roy G. of color spectrum that you and I know. Um, apparently, apes and monkeys uh, see the same way we do. Then you have really colorblind animals, like black and white types, like raccoons, seals, whales. Black and uh, white types. <laughs> black and white types. I love it. And then birds apparently see uh, see more color than we do.
1: Yeah, and there's you know there's other um, animals that see things like ultraviolet. Like there's a visible spectrum, but that's what we humans see. Where technically, if you had like some sort of chromophore and an opsin that worked together in a cone to to produce the red, green, or blue. If you had one that was attuned to gamma rays or x-rays or ultraviolet or infrared, we would be able to see in those too, but we don't have that. But other animals are attuned to other things. And yeah, from what I saw too, birds seem to really see colors like nobody's business. Those birds. And dogs, I think, tend to see blues and yellows just like us and a little more robustly. And the other colors on the spectrum are more muted or just don't show up like we see them at all, or more like browns or something like that. So if you get your dog a ball, you want a blue ball or a yellow ball. They'll be able to spot those a lot easier.
0: Well, it doesn't mean they can't see it. It just means they'll see a grayish ball, right?
1: Yeah, if you get like a, uh, yes, for sure. But um, who wants to play with a gray ball? <laughs> okay. I think is my point. Uh, I don't. I always wonder how they test for that
0: stuff in animals.
1: You just ask.
0: Yeah? Yeah. Blue <laughs> yeah. Right.
1: That's a good Scooby impression.
0: Uh, all right, so testing for this, you can go on the Internet, of course, and uh, you you took one of the uh, anomaloscope tests. Mm-hmm. Uh, I took what is known as a PIP, uh, which is a test called the Ishihara uh, plate, and pseudo-isochromatic plate. Mm-hmm. So this was a doctor in Japan. Uh, he developed this test for the Japanese Army, uh, Dr. Ishihara, and if you go and look at it, it looks it's really kind of cool, slightly psychedelic-looking. <laughs> it's a circle uh, composed of a bunch of little colored dots. Back in the day, he would just hold up cards, like a Rorschach test.
1: Like watercolor cards.
0: Yeah, and it's a circle with a bunch of little colored dots in the middle. And then within all those dots, there is the shape of a number mm-hmm. composed of different variations of colors. So there will be like a a circle with a bunch of dots that are mainly red and shades of red. And then within that will be like a number four that's really, really close. And it depends. Some of them really stand out as obvious, and some of them really blend in or camouflaged mm-hmm. uh, almost. And you pick out these numbers and say what number you're seeing. And then after you go through this whole series, they'll be able to say, like, you know, you're pretty good on the the reds, but you obviously have trouble with the greens or something like that.
1: Yeah, because depending on what color scheme they use, if you are like a protanope and can't see reds, you're, you're not going to be able to pick out the red 3 that's embedded within these dots because you can't see red. It's all just going to fade together and just look like a field of dots to you. Whereas somebody else who can see reds would just see it clear as day that there's a 3 in the middle of that circle. Yeah. Which is a pretty ingenious test, and that was... That was like the test for a while, but it's definitely advanced by leaps and bounds um, since then. There's there's uh, more tests than than just showed up in this article. There's one I can't remember the name of it, but it's made of a, you have four rows of something like twenty or thirty tiles of of varying shades across the spectrum, and you're supposed to basically put them in order to match. A, a line, uh, like a, a control line. And um, it's kind of like an anomalous scope test, but it's more hands-on. Yeah. And then there's one that the, uh, I think the Coast Guard and the Navy and the Air Force use um, called the Falworth Lantern Test. F- or Sorry, Farnsworth Lantern Test.
0: Yeah. My uh, my brother in laws a Marine, and he's a pilot, and he had to take this. So this is an, an additional test, basically. Mm-hmm. If you fail the PIP test then you will use this. The FAA also uses it because if you want to be a pilot, um, you can't be colorblind. So it's basically a backup, and it's like a little box that shows you uh, colored lights. And you have to identify these colored lights as they come up from a distance. Uh, They'll show two at a time, maybe one at a time, and you just have to pick them out and identify the colors. Uh, but they do dim uh d- use, they use a filter mm-hmm. so like you can't cheat your way through by knowing that something is bright so mm-hmm. it might be yellow
1: right because yeah if you if when you start looking at colored lights and stuff like that <clears throat> it does become clear that some are just brighter than others which is why I think people who have uh yellow blue color blindness or tritanopes um they tend to uh be very sensitive to bright light which kind of makes sense in a in a weird way but a lot of this stuff I was like wait how how does that happen again you know like deuteranopia and protanopia they overlap so much that they call both of them red red green color blindness yeah and they both see reds as browns and they see greens as browns but it's just bizarre to me and in, in when I really kind of drill into it the actual details of it are are really fascinating because you you just are raised your whole life to think like, oh, this person can't see red, this person can't see green, this person can't see blue. And it's as simple as that. And it's the exact opposite of as simple as that in reality. Because right. there's there's so much nuance to colors that are produced by these three RGB cones.
0: Yeah. And I mean, imagine diagnosing a kid. I mean, it's not, I mean, we'll talk a little bit about living with colorblindness in a bit, but mm-hmm. it, it's, it's, and I'd love to hear from people. It's not like it might hamper you, I don't think, to the point of danger. I, I guess maybe if you were a monochromat, that might be possible. Sure. But it seems like more than an inconvenience than anything else, right?
1: Yeah, You'd be like, what is this black liquid pouring out from a major artery in my arm? <laughs> I don't know what this is. If it were red, I would know it's blood. That's right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, as far as how it's caused, it is uh, largely genetic, although um, there are some drugs and diseases and conditions that could cause it later in life. But it's generally genetic.
1: Uh, yes. So um, especially red-green colorblindness is, uh, what is it, sex-linked recessive. Yeah, and,
0: and way more men and way more Caucasian men get it than yeah. women.
1: And I'm not quite sure about the Caucasian part. I couldn't find any explanation for that. But there's a very clear and easy explanation for why more men have it. Something like 8% of Caucasian men and I think like 5% of Asian men tend to have red-green color blindness of some, some varying degree, right? And if you have red-green colorblindness, 50% of people are going to have mild and the other 50% are going to have it so severe that it would basically be protonopia or dupes. Deuteranopia, which again means your cones just aren't aren't functioning just like one of your cones isn't. But the reason why there's way more men than women, I think something like 0.5% of the population in the US of women have colorblindness, is because it's carried on the X chromosome. That's right. And since it's recessive, men only have an one X chromosome and they have a Y chromosome, which means that they're all of their color vision genes are just on the X chromosome. And since it's recessive, if that one gene is defective and that you don't have normal color vision, the, the man's going to have color blindness. But for a woman, it takes two defective X chromosome genes, right? That's right. So that makes it uh, sex-linked recessive, which is kind of, it could be an okay album name. I don't know about a band name.
0: Sex-linked recessive? Sure. Yeah. Uh, And I talked about diseases and conditions. Um, Glaucoma is one, uh, diabetes, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, uh, leukemia, uh, MS, sickle cell, alcoholism. If you literally drink yourself colorblind, (laughs) like that sounds like something made up. Yeah, it does. You know?
1: You wouldn't be able to detect the pink elephant anymore.
0: Yeah, that's true. You'd say, who's that gray elephant? And they say, all elephants are gray.
1: Drinking yourself colorblind, man. That is, that's nuts.
0: That's a Tom Waits song.
1: There's also, um, it should be for sure. There's also like some drugs that can do it too, right?
0: Yeah. I didn't get to look into these uh, as much though, but it says that digitalis Mm -hmm. and chloroquine.
1: Yeah. The second one's a malaria treatment. And the first one is a reckless heart treatment. Yeah. Yeah. but I guess both of them can cause color blindness. The thing about colorblindness, if it's acquired, if it's if it's um genetic, it's probably red green, you're probably a boy, and you're probably a Caucasian boy. That's yeah. the likeliness. But if it's acquired, it's likelier that um you're yellow blue colorblind. Right? Yeah. And that can actually get better if it's acquired. It can get worse, but it can also go away depending on, say, if you stop using the drug that is causing colorblindness or maybe you give up drinking.
0: Right, but there is no cure for colorblindness uh, genetically. So you can't take a pill or get a shot mm-hmm. or get any kind of treatment. Um, there apparently are corrective lenses that they have out there, but okay. um, I don't know about that. That doesn't sound like a great idea. I'm not sure how effective those are.
1: Supposedly, they like kind of work for color, but they also affect like depth perception too, which is it's kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul in that sense. Maybe even worse than that. Interesting. And I looked them up; they don't seem to be any further along than when this article was written. But um, there's gene therapy; it just hasn't been tested in humans, but it's been shown to work in monkeys, where they inject genetic material directly into the eye, and hope for the best but apparently it works in monkeys again same thing as what you were saying how do you how do you know how yeah do you, how do you test for colorblindness in animals it's I want to know it's fascinating just the idea of it
0: I bet someone out there knows
1: sure hopefully they'll write in so let's take a break and then we'll come back and talk about living with colorblindness Chuck how about that
0: yeah All right, so like I said before, uh, and, and I do want to hear from people that are, are mm-hmm. colorblind, it seems like more of an inconvenience than an actual danger or a threat. Mm-hmm. Um, it, do, it could limit, like, maybe what kind of job you might want to get. Um, like I said, you can't be colorblind if you're a pilot uh, or if you want to be a pilot. Um, it's funny, they mention in here, if you're an electrician, like color-coded wires are a problem. <laughs> right? Yeah, never really thought about that, but that's yeah. probably a pretty good point. Or I guess if you uh, may never work for a bomb squad.
1: Oh, yeah, that's a good one. That's um, your uh,
0: life calling. That's sad.
1: I also saw if you're a meat inspector, you probably can't be colorblind. Oh, sure. Um, Looks good it, to me. It, right. It's all gray. Instead, of it's all good. Oh, God, gray meat. Um, and the, uh, similarly, if you um, have a uh red color blindness you can't tell whether a steak's cooked or not based on color ooh and uh similarly you if you have a green color blindness you might have trouble with ripe fruit whether fruit's ripe or not
0: luckily anyone that knows what they're doing with a steak you, you could be blindfolded and cook a sure. steak right
1: sure And plus, even if you don't know what you're doing, there's meat thermometers that all you have to do is get it to, like, 160, I think, and you're all right.
0: Yeah, but, I mean, we've talked enough about cooking steak in here. Sure. It's a a time thing, a temperature thing, and at the very least, you can touch it and know what's going on.
1: Sure. If if it gives your thumb frostbite, probably not done yet.
0: Because if you're cooking a steak by color, that means you're... uh, you're cutting into the steak to see if it's done. (laughs) Right. Which is the worst thing you could ever do.
1: It's it's a sin. Yeah.
0: I'm just, I'm horrified at that whole notion.
1: I am too choked.
0: What about little kids getting dressed and coloring crayons? That's why crayons are labeled.
1: Right. But I mean, if they use some names that don't really mean anything to the color, that's not very helpful, you know, but, uh, sure, yeah, if you have crayons with the labels peeled off and you're colorblind, that's not good. Um, I also saw diamond appraisers. Oh, cas- interesting. Casino dealers because uh-huh. of the chip colors. Um, but now they have things like uh software that can actually change colors on the web so that you can see them more clearly depending on what kind of color blindness you have. Oh, interesting. So that I think it used to be like a real problem and then they came up with a lot of different um software that you can buy and just run on your computer. Um, which that's got to help quite a bit.
0: Yeah, that didn't surprise me. I, f- I mean, I figured in the olden days it was just like, well, sorry for you, but but now there are so many different things that they can do to 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 help people out with various like slight conditions like this.
1: For sure. And I think a lot of the worries were kind of overblown. Um like the FAA used to used to say like you have to have normal color vision to be an FAA employee. And they repealed that in 1996 because there's so many other ways you can design things other than colors. Right, um, and it's still a problem for it. I, I can tell, like with color blindness, um, the same light will be used on like a, an electronic thing to show it's fully charged or to show it needs charging. Whereas if you just have a light blink to show that it needs charging, that would help tremendously rather than just using a green for fully charged and red for needing charging. It oh, doesn't yeah. help somebody with color blindness because it just looks like an ugly brown light to them. Yeah, um I
0: never thought about that. A lot yeah. of things blink now though that I've seen.
1: Right. And I'll bet that's why actually because it's just a better design. Yeah. Not using different colored chalks for emphasis in school. Um using uh for graphs rather than like just colors. You can also use like cross hatching or dots or something like that to indicate differences. Um and then I, the the reason i said why it seems like it, people are coming around to the idea of it being unsafe to to be colorblind in this world um being overblown japan had a real like um bias against people with color for many many years did you read that article i sent i didn't see that one man so back in i think 1920 the crown prince hirohito was about to marry um, a woman and it turned out that she had colorblindness in her family and one of the one of the royal family stepped up and was like, I don't want him marrying this this girl because her family has colorblindness in, in her her lineage. And the the marriage went on anyway, but the publicity involved really got people's attention and they really took it to heart. And for decades, up until A few years ago, there was discrimination against people who were colorblind. Like, you could not enroll in some high school courses or college courses if you were tested as colorblind. And all kids were tested at a young age to see whether they were colorblind or not. Um, You couldn't get some jobs. And not even where it was conceivably safe or unsafe— It was just like discrimination against people who were colorblind. In some cases, people who were fully blind could enroll in some courses that people who were colorblind could not. So there was like no scientific basis to it whatsoever. It was strictly like this kind of um, distaste for colorblindness that had been in the culture since 1920. It's finally fading away as, as, um, as time goes on. They stopped testing kids in Japan in the last year or two. Um, for color blindness, because they're like, we understand it better now, and you're not a monster for being colorblind blind. Man,
0: that's amazing.
1: Isn't that interesting?
0: Yeah. Yeah. They
1: There's something colorblind. you should know. <laughs> yeah. Something I should know. So colorblindness, Chuck, you got anything else?
0: Uh, No. Well, actually, that one little interesting tidbit that apparently uh, people that are colorblind can pick out camouflage better. Oh, yeah. Because they look more at texture than the actual color.
1: Yeah, I saw that they they make better spotters for sniper teams. Nice. Yeah, I guess so. Um all right, what about now? You got anything else now? Nothing else. So if you want to know more about color blindness, go ask somebody who's colorblind. Uh, I'm sure they are going to have some fascinating stuff for you and we want to hear from colorblind people too. So please let us know what it's like to live as somebody with a color vision deficiency or color blindness or let us know exactly what we should say and uh Since I said that, it's time for Listener mail.
0: All right. I'm going to call this a little Price is Right follow-up. Okay. We just released our live game show, live in Denver, Colorado, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: where uh, we had a lot of our Stuff You Should Know Army members traveled in and met each other for the first time.
1: Yeah, that was pretty cool.
0: Which is really, really neat. We had a backstage hang. And uh, you know who you are, folks, so it was it's great to see you as always. Yeah, We'll be back to Denver because we did two sold-out shows there.
1: Yeah, it was, it's a great town.
0: It was really good. All right, so here we go uh, with a little bit about The Price is Right. Hey, guys, Fairly New Listener started in July. Wow, well, welcome to the show, mm-hmm. David. Um, but he's working his way backwards, which is great. So he listened to game shows, and he said, <laughs> I'm a child of the 80s, and like Chuck, my summer and home sick from school days were built around a plethora of of awesome daily game shows. Uh, When talking about The Price is Right, Chuck mentioned trotting out the very tough Cliffhanger game. Uh, And this might throw me into the dork category, but I'm obsessed with getting on the show. I've been to three tapings in the past year, and I've studied tips and tricks. So he's like, uh, what's his face?
1: Oh, man. I wish The guy
0: who beat... uh, Yeah. Michael Larson. Yeah, Michael Larson. Uh, Except he's the Michael Larson of, of Cliffhanger. He said... He claims this is a 100% foolproof way to win. So listen up everybody. Hmm. Every time he's done it, it's worked. Here's the trick. For the first item, bid $20. Okay. Whatever the actual price is doesn't matter. Add $11 and make that the bid on the second item. Okay. Then whatever the actual price is for that item, add $11 to that. And he said it works every single
1: Time. Weird, I wonder why. I don't know. Well, they're probably gonna change it, because as everyone knows, Drew Carey listens to stuff you should know religiously.
0: I'm sure Drew Carey does not care <laughs> one bit who wins and who loses on Cliffhanger.
1: I don't know, man. I read this uh I think a GQ or Vanity Fair article about this guy who was accused of cheating on the price is right, and Drew Carey was mad about the idea. Well, sure if you cheat. <clears throat> I guess that's true. Yeah, that's a big distinction.
0: Uh, and then he says this my other interesting tidbit is regarding the Japanese uh, game show that you discussed Takeshi's Castle Mm. Uh, starting in 2003 Spike TV took old episodes and dubbed them in English (laughs) and it totally transformed it into one of the funniest things you'd ever watch
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, if you have 20 minutes to burn hop on the YouTube and catch an episode thanks for the great work that is David Mills Uh, I have a cousin named David Mills and I'm assuming that is not you you never know Surely he would have just texted me,
1: cousin Dave. He's the formal type. Yeah, he doesn't like to take shortcuts. Hey man, except I like with it. cliffhanger. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot, cousin Dave. We appreciate that. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us to share your tips and secrets for game shows or for getting through life, whatever, we want to hear from you. You can hang out with us on socials by going to our website, stuffyoushouldknow.com and finding all the links there. Or you can send us a good old-fashioned email. Send it to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com.
0: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com.